The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and video teachings, visit mountainpark.org. Um, I had a fantastic uh, uh, in, uh, situation here this past week. It was as, un, as far away from football as possible, but I went on a, uh, a daddy-daughter date with my three-year-old, and I dressed up, and she dressed up in her little pink dress, and we went to the Arizona Puppet Theater and watched uh, Cinderella. She sat on my lap and watched Cinderella. It was the most unmanly experience you could possibly imagine, and I loved every second of it, let me just tell you. But anyway, hope your new year uh, has started off well. Uh, I am not going to dress like this in the new year. This is not my resolution. Just, just, re- just relax. And I, I, I want to get out of this as soon as I can. But there's a reason that I'm wearing it. The reason I'm wearing this uh, today, which is not my typical attire, is that we're talking about money. And uh, we're talking about money this morning. And whenever you go to a banker or whenever you go to a financial planner, they're going to dress up a little bit. That's just kind of what happens with that whole field, with that whole conversation. They're going to dress up a little bit. They want to look nice if you're going to go with the money thing, if you're going to be talking about money. You ever notice that banks never have a, a marketing campaign that is edgy? Banks never have a, a marketing campaign that is Gen X, postmodern, really hip, really cool. No, no, no. They're all, their fonts are always real straight, real stiff, real uh, clean, real professional. Their colors are gold and silver and, 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 and rich woods. Because and, they, they want you to know, wow, they must know what they're doing with money. Okay? So, now... I don't. No, I'm just, but I mean, I, I am not a financial planner, but I want to try to look like one today, okay? I even have my little office set up here uh, this morning. Now, I'm not a financial planner. I'm a pastor. So when a pastor talks about money, then what you all think is that I'm just going to talk about giving to the church. I'm just going to talk about give, 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 give to the church, to the church. Now, I'm personally offended by that. By your assumptions with all that. Because if I'm going to talk about marriage, if I'm going to talk about your relationship with your spouse, my intention with all, not, with all that is not for you to give me your spouse. I'm not interested. If I'm going to talk about parenting, I don't want your kids. I don't want, I got enough, I got plenty, I love them, but I don't need any more. So now, I am going to, later on, I am going to talk about giving, going to talk about generosity as a part of the whole picture, but that's not the point of today. The point of today is we start off 2009. As we, as we continue in the economic uncertainty that we're experiencing in our country, let's look at Scripture and say what, what kind of financial assistance, not cash, but what kind of financial assistance can we look at in terms of setting up, in terms of, in terms of starting out well in 2009? That's my hope. That's my desire out of this. I actually like talking about money. I, on one hand, I like it because it's so relevant. None of us here can say, okay, that's, that doesn't, that's not my world at all. On the other hand, it's too relevant because when I talk about money, then, then there is a part of my own journey that has to get touched. That, and there's a part that I'll talk about in here in just a few minutes where I've really been working on uh, some of what I'm going to be talking about with you this morning. And, and it's going to be a challenge for me. It's going to be a, a, something that, I, that uh, my wife and I need to work on in 09. So uh, anyway, that's where we're headed. Would you pray with me as we, uh, as we begin, as we jump in? Father, we uh, want to start off 09 well, just as Elena had said, that, that this is an opportunity for us to have a, a fresh start. And so, um, God, in this area of our lives, I know we are, we are at so many different places here in, the, in this room. 
And uh, God, I pray that you would um, bring us together because we desire to connect with you. We desire for our hearts to connect with you. And you so clearly state that where our treasure is, there our heart is also. So for those of us who want to align our hearts with you, may we surrender our, our treasure to you as well, according to your will, according to your purposes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the big gift that uh, my wife and I got our kids this Christmas is a uh, trampoline, trampoline in the backyard, which uh, I'm pretty confident will uh, end up as part of my top 10 mistakes for 09. Uh, we'll see how that looks. But we've already seen plenty of issues surface with the trampoline. Lots of conversations about, about the rules or the appropriateness of, of doing this and not doing this, and how can we avoid uh, painful bone-breaking uh, situations and the whole kind of deal. My wife and I have had some warm conversations as we've disagreed with some of this stuff. I mean, it's surfaced all these, these issues coming up. And one of the issues that my oldest child, our seven-year-old, uh, brought up with me is, as we were talking about some of this stuff, he said, but dad, it's ours. And so he said, it's a gift for Christmas that you gave to us. It's ours. And he, he knows it came from us because, you know, Santa gives the mediocre gifts. Mom and Dad give the really cool stuff. So he knows that the trampoline came from Mom and Dad to them. It's ours. Which brings up a very interesting philosophical situation there. Well, yes, it was a gift to you, but it's my house. And it's my backyard. And so, who really owns the trampoline? And this year, my oldest is only seven. Some of you know way more about this than I do. But the older kids get, the more this possession thing enters into it. Because I remember I was a teenager. And there's this stage, long or short, where it's all about my room. It's my room. That's why there are signs that say, keep out. Enter at your own risk. If you cross this line, you will be shot and killed on the spot. You know, whatever the, whatever the sign might be in front of that, it's my room. Well, no, but it's my house. And so there's this weird situation. Then there's Christmas. It just happened, and maybe some of you have experienced this. Kids say, it's my room. Yeah, but Grandma and Grandpa are coming over, and they need a place to stay. So you're going to get kicked out of your room without any notice that needs to happen on that and then you're going to go and bunk with your brother so that you can have a place to sleep in his room but that's okay because it's not really his room either <laughs> so that some of this so that it's my it's my stuff it's my now this whole possession thing who really owns this stuff and and uh, i mean this flows into so many areas of our lives we can you know laugh about the kids stuff but 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 as adults, we enter into this conversation as well with different things in terms of, it's mine. And I, we all know that when we pass on from this world, we don't get to take anything with us. We've heard that there's never a U-Haul behind a hearse, uh, that kind of situation. We, we get that. But the reality is that we don't even own it while we're here. We don't even own it before the whole hearse situation. We don't own it while it's here, I say it's my house. No, it's not. It's the bank's. The bank owns 75% of my house or whatever the, the, the number might be at this time. It's probably more than that. <laughs> but, I mean, I mean, the bank owns it. And even if I was in a situation where I could own my house, and some of you are in that situation, you don't, you don't own your house. I mean, Maricopa County, or wherever you pay your property taxes, 
They're the ones who really own your house because you don't pay your taxes, you'll find out who owns your house. I mean, do we really own this stuff? Do we really own it? Not only do we not get to take it with us in the end, but we don't even own it now. So who owns all this stuff? Let me look at uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 29. 1 Chronicles, if you brought your Bible, it's, uh, it's about a third of the way into the Old Testament. And, you know, we just don't spend enough time in Chronicles, don't you think? I mean, weren't you thinking about that this morning when you woke up? We just don't talk enough about Chronicles. Well, Chronicles is a second version of the story of the kings of, of, of Israel. And uh, we've got, uh, in the Old Testament, there's 1st and 2nd Samuel, then 1st and 2nd Kings, which is the whole story of all the kings of Israel. Then they do a redo of the whole story in 1st and 2nd Chronicles. So we're in Chronicles, 1st Chronicles chapter 29. What's happening here at this stage in the, in the story of Israel's kings is this is where David, the mighty king of Israel, this is near the end of his reign, of his time. There were three major kings in Israel. The first one was Saul. Things didn't work out so well with Saul. Then there was King David, and then the one after King David was, was who? Good, was King Solomon. Solomon was David's son. At this time here in 1 Chronicles uh, chapter 29, David is near the end of his life, and his desire is to build a temple for God. God's place of dwelling, the, the, the tabernacle, has been a... Um, a non-stationary piece. It's been a, a transferring piece. And David is very committed and very excited about having a home for God. At one point he says that, you know, we have a place to sleep. God doesn't have a place to stay. So David really wants to build a home for God. And God says, no, you're not going to do it. I want your son to do it. And David, being the um, uh, king that he was, he said, okay, I'm going to help prepare my son in any way that I can. So what David does is he says, we are going to get the money together so that when my son is ready, the finances will be there for him to take care of this. So David uh, leads well, leads by example, and he offers his uh, gold and silver and, and buku, buku money to get started with this, models it well, and he invites the leaders and the officers and the commanders to do the same, and they bring in, they bring in a ton of stuff, a ton of money that is just a great start to building this temple that they're so excited to build. And as a result of all this, David sees all this stuff, and he does what David does best. He writes a song. He writes another song. It's in First Chronicles uh, chapter 29, and this is, the, this is the song he writes. Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Verse 12, wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. After the sacrifice they had made of giving their stuff, they say, thank you, God. And then he continues, verse 14, but who am I and who are my people, these others who have given with me, that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. David beautifully and poetically makes it very clear, it's not mine anyway. It's not my stuff. All is yours. This is such an essential 
philosophical place to start when we look at our finances. And, and many of you get this. Many of you get this. Maybe you need a reminder today, as I do often, it's not ours anyway. See, I'm, I'm dressed like a financial planner because we are more like, this is my office. Welcome. Glad you're here. Glad to get all of you as clients because work has been really rough uh, recently. But, but uh, we are more like financial planners with God's money, with God's resources, than we are owners. So if God sat down with me and said, uh, Alan, I want you to be a financial planner with some of the resources, and said, here's, here's, uh, here's, whoa, <laughs> this is nice, <laughs> and says, and he says, here's $50,000 I want to give to you as a financial planner. My first response as a financial planner would not be to say, awesome, 50 grand, Harley Davidson. We're, we're, moving, we're moving on up. We're moving on up. It's not my money. I am managing his money. God is entrusting me with it. Now, for those of you who have money, for those of you who have financial planners and, and the whole deal, if you feel guilty about the money that you have, then maybe you don't get this. Because some of you who have money, and maybe you're a new believer or you've been a believer for a while, and you give generously, you understand the world poverty situation, you understand that there's a, there's a responsibility for you to give generously towards helping others, and you participate in that, and then you have a lot of money left over. If you feel guilty about that, then you might not get this. Because even what you have is not yours anyway. And so instead of feeling guilty with money that we do have, maybe as financial planners, we could feel responsible. If I'm the financial planner and someone's giving me money, it's, my job is not to feel guilty because I have it. It's not mine anyway. If I'm, if I'm a financial planner over a million dollars, I don't have to feel guilty about that, but I ought to feel responsible. What, what am I supposed to do with this? So if I'm your financial planner, which you would not want, just so you know. But if I was your financial planner and you sat down with me and, and you said, here's $50,000 I want you to do something with, what, what would be a, a poor choice on my end would be to say, great, thanks, I got it. See you later. I will take care of this. I will do what I think is best with this. That wouldn't be a very good financial planner situation. The financial planner sits down with somebody and says, what do you want me to do with this? What are your goals? What are your financial goals with this? Do you want to invest? Do you want to aggressively build? Do you want to save for something short-term, save for something long-term? Do you want to pass it on to somebody else? What are your financial goals? So if we are financial planners for God's money, then maybe we could say, God, what are your goals? What do you want to do with what you've entrusted me with, with what I'm responsible for? What are your goals? Well, I think that's an interesting question. What would God's goals be for the, for the resources that he has provided for us? I, th I, I think there are, um, I've just kind of landed on three goals that I just kind of like to throw out with you today. First of all, God wants us to experience freedom financially. God wants us to be free. We need money. We need money in order, to, in order to pay the rent, in order to pay the mortgage, in order to put food on the table, in order to, to do whatever. We need money, but we are not to be enslaved by it. It is not to put us in bondage. God does not want that, that for us. He wants us to manage it in a way that we experience freedom. The goal, from God's perspective, is not for us to be debt-free. 
That's not the goal. That's not the point. Debt-free, boom. That's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is for us to be liberated to do what God wants us to do with our lives. Liberated. And that means that we might have a mortgage. We might have this other piece. But are we liberated moment by moment, day by day, to live the way God wants us to live? So if there's an incredible debt in your journey, then it's hard to experience freedom. Because every decision is riddled with, I don't know if we can do this, I don't know what's going on, I don't know what's going on, we're spending more money again and we're even more in debt. And we're, we're not living a free life. We're, we are enslaved by that. But it's even possible on the other side to hoard money so much that, that, uh, that there's so much stuff and so much that it consumes all of our energy and all of our, all of our time, managing it, keeping care of it. We're not living free. God wants us to live freely in terms of our finances, so that we can be all that he wants us to be. Secondly, God wants to bless us. We talked about this with the whole celebration of Christmas stuff. God really does want to bless you. It's like a parent on Christmas morning and, and the child just wonderfully opens up a present and says, this is exactly what I wanted. This is, that, that, I mean, that feeling, I got, to, I got to experience that this Christmas when my five-year-old opened something and I didn't even know it was exactly what he wanted. But it was so great for him to go, that's exactly what I wanted. How much joy do I get out of that? To bless a child in that way? God, your father, wants to bless you, wants you to, to enjoy what, what he has for, for us. He does, he wants us to enjoy life. And then thirdly, God wants us to bless others. God wants us to experience freedom. He wants us to, to be blessed, and we are to be a blessing. That's what money is for. That's what money is for, is so we can be a blessing, so that those people in your office or in your neighborhood or in your family who have financial situations going on, so that you can be a place of being a blessing to others. Maybe it's done anonymously. Uh, if you've never done that before, try it. Try to give money away anonymously and just know that there's no attachment to you on that, but the, but the blessing, the, the, the sense that you get out of that is enormous, it's beautiful. Or about tipping, tipping well and having somebody in this economy go, whoa, nobody tips 20, 25% anymore. Nobody does that anymore. And to go, I'm gonna be different, I'm gonna bless you. That's what money is for. It's a powerful blessing tool. God, what are your goals I want you to experience freedom. I want you to be blessed, and I want you to be a blessing. Okay, so first off, uh, as a fi financial planner for God's money, I'm going to say, what are your goals? And then, my responsibility is to, is to keep track of his money. This is where we start to step on toes a little bit here. It's to keep track of it. It would be irresponsible for God to come in and say, I want to get a, a status report on my $50,000. For me to say, and you are. Uh, and, then, and then to kind of go, yeah, right, I remember that. I remember that. I think we, um, I think we put, uh, let me, can I get back to you in a little bit? That's not how you would want your financial planner to respond. So yes, we are talking about the B word. B -b 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 -b. B -b -b budget. The B word. Ah! The B word. How can we know where the, where the slippery parts are, where the mistakes are, where the struggles are? How can we know unless we're keeping track in some way of where the money's going? Now, it's like a, uh, here's a little illustra illustration for you. Imagine a new home being built and there's a plumber who is setting up 
the system for the water distribution in the house. There are two options for the plumber. One is the plumber, before the main water line gets connected to the house, the plumber says, I am going to set up a main line that distributes all the water to the, all the places within the home, hot water, cold water, hot heater. We're, well, that's redundant, the heater. The, uh, the uh, dishwasher, we're going to go to the bathtub, we're going to go to all the sinks, we're going to do all this. Now we're ready. And then we're going to plug in the main water line. Another option is for that plumber to say, okay, we've got the main water line. We've got the house. Let's go ahead and take the main water line from the city, put it into a basement window, and just, uh, uh, and just kind of set it in there, and just start letting it flow. And when we get time, we will redistribute that water to the different places throughout the house that are going to need it. We're going to take some of that water and put it to the dishwasher, or put it to the tub, or whatever. Which is a better option for the plumber in that situation? Dumb question, sorry. See, see many of us are, are hardworking wage earners who have uh, set up for a flow, a steady stream of finances to flow into the home. But if we don't have a plan or a budget as to where it's going to go, then at the end of the year, we experience what many of us have, have experienced here at the end of 08, of saying, where did it go? Where did it go? I had this much... And then, and then we took care of all the things. And at the end of the year, why, did we, why were we not able to save anything this year? Why were we not able to give anything this year? Why were we not able to help those in need this year? Why is there nothing left over? What happened to it as it's just pouring into a particular room in your home or whatever? We don't have basements, so there's you know, some other area of your home. So uh, sometimes we become hardworking flow creators and then it's frustrating to wonder where is this going and this issue is not just for those who are struggling with finances who don't have enough who who are um at the at the end of the year who are um who are who are under uh uh who are spending more than what they're taking in it's not just for that it's for all of us as financial planners to have some awareness of where this is going it's a responsibility for all of us see tammy and i uh, we have never, we've been married for 11 years, and we have never had a fight. I'm not kidding about this. We have never had a fight about money. We have never had a fight about money. Why? Because I am such an amazingly humble and godly man. <laughs> Why are you shaking your heads? That is not the truth. That is not the case. But the reason is that we simply live below our means. We simply live below. I had to think about where that is. We, we live below our means in every decision, everything. We haven't had a car payment in six years. We, uh, we don't buy something if we don't have the money for it. That is absolutely just the way we work. If anything, I'm cheap. Okay, and that shows up in some of our church finances and some of the other staff goes, come on, we've got to spend some money on that. No, no, this cheapness just shows up every once in a while. And, and, and uh, some of you might not like that, some of you might like that. But in our home, we do not spend money that we don't have. We have never had a fight about it. I promise you, we, we've had fights about other things, not this area. And please don't ask about the other things. That's my business. Okay. <laughs> but, but, I mean, in this particular area. But here's the thing for me that, that has been stirred up with this as I've thought about it. If I'm the financial planner... Even if things are going, even if I'm not under, it's still my responsibility to keep track. 
it's still my responsibility to budget. I've always thought, until really this week, I've always thought, as long as I'm under and I'm giving and da-da-da-da, then I don't need to worry about that. That's not what a good financial planner would do with what God has entrusted us with. We need to, we need to bump this up in our home. See, because it's, it's not okay to say, well, that's just not me. I'm not a shirt and tie kind of person. That's just not the way I roll. I'm a little more artistic. I'm more of a go-with-the-flow kind of person. That's just not me. Now, I get that because I, I can be that sometimes. I can be a little bit on that side. And I get that. I totally get that. But, I mean, if that's who you are, if that's the way you roll, you cannot call up SRP, the power company, and say, you know what? I'm just not that kind of person. I'm not a once-a-month kind of person. That's just not who I am. I'm different. I, I, I'd rather just kind of draw a picture on the envelope and send it back to you, and then uh, we'll kind of go with the flow and see how this works. That's just who I am. It doesn't work that way. We have to have responsibility in these areas of our lives to live in this culture at this time. It has to be that way. And maybe some of you need to be stretched with this. And it's okay to be stretched if that's not the way you naturally are bent. Because maybe somebody on the other side needs to be stretched as well. Maybe a shirt and tie kind of person needs to be stretched because that person can't say to his wife, you know, I'm just not, a, I'm just not that kind of person. I'm not a romantic kind of person, so I'm not going to do any of that romantic stuff with you. Well, no, that person needs to stretch in the same way that, a, that a, uh, an artistic kind of person need, might need to stretch and say, I need to manage this in some way. There's so much great software out there that, that can help with this whole piece. Okay, it's about being a financial planner. It's about being responsible for what God has entrusted us with. Last week I alluded to this 10-10-80 principle that uh, um, it's what my wife and I do. It's, it's 10% we give, 10% we save, and then we get to live on the 80%. That's the way, and then we live on, on whatever 80% is left. That's what we live on. That's how, that's how we're so far not fighting about it. And so, now this, just so you know, it's not a a scriptural principle. You're never going to find 10, 10, 80 in the Bible. Okay, I'm just, I just, just want to be honest about that in case there's any pushback on that. There is consistency on the tenth, on the tithe. Um, uh, it's a beautiful round number and it's a, it's a way, really it is, I mean, it's just a way to kind of think clearly about those things. If the numbers are not necessarily where you'd like to go, to, to translate that into words, give, save, live off the rest. Give, save, live off the rest. So what we do is we start off and we say, what's my What's my um, uh, available income? What is my available income? So this is your household income. Take away uh, your expenses that you don't have any control over. You've got your taxes, you've got your mortgage, you've got whatever, you, alimony, whatever the things might be. You take away those pieces and then what's left over there, that's what, you, that's what you get to make decisions on. Now that sounds so simple and some of you are saying, well, come on now, I didn't go to church to hear that. Now it's, it's so simple but that's so often not how we do life, how we do our finances, because we don't start with that piece. We start with lifestyle. We say, this is the lifestyle I want, based on those around me, based on what I've seen on TV, based on what I simply desire, what I simply expect. This is the lifestyle I want. And then we back up from that and say, okay, how am I going to make this work? Which financial planner am I going to talk to who's going to help me to, to accomplish this piece here so I can look or drive or live like this? And that is very different than, than starting off the other way and saying, what money do I have available? And then from there, we decide, what am I going to give? What am I going to give away? 
And, and this is the thing to make a decision on. 1%, 2%, 5%, 10%, whatever the deal is. Have a conversation about it. And I would suggest pick a round number. Because if you just go by, I'll just do how I feel. I'll just give in terms of what feels right. Then at the end of the year, you probably haven't given as much as you feel like you've given. That's pretty, probably a standard thing of what happens. That if we are intentional about this and saying, this is what I'm deciding to move in this direction, it will change how you act on that. Same thing with, with saving. That, that we make a decision and say, am I going to do 1%, 2%, 3%, 10%, whatever. What am I going to set aside? I'm going to make that decision. I am going to make that decision. And with saving, um, just a little side note, just to be careful on that, that there, it can be possible to, be, to do too much there. You know, just kind of be careful on that. That Rick Warren says, it's not a sin to be rich, it's a sin to die rich. So we have, we're responsible for this. What are we going to do with it in the life that we have? I love the way my parents do it. They've set up their finances so that they have enough to survive on until they're 77, until they're the average age. If they die before that, there'll be a little left over. If they go beyond that, they're going to need a little help. I love it. They're just kind of zeroed out at 77, just based on the averages. I love it. It's just beautiful. So they are not going to die rich. I mean, they're kind of, you can use it. And so, so give, save, and live, on, live off the rest. Whatever's left over, that's where we get to make our decisions. Now, so whatever is left over, then we, if it's an annual thing, we divide that by 12, and then we know how much monthly we have available for us to spend on food and entertainment and, and gifts and whatever this is. Then we compare that to what we've been spending, and then we pass out. <laughs> that's probably why, I mean, those two things are probably not in the same ballpark. And the, the trick is not that next week you, you do this and you go, oh, whew, done, I got this all taken care of. This is a process for most of us to move to blending those two things closer together, closer together. Start somewhere. Here's the begin 09. Start somewhere. As you learn more about where your finances are going and what's happening with this, that there's, there's, there's a part of your journey where you can make some changes that will move you to the place that you want to be. Start somewhere. And I promise you, I promise you, if, if, if this is a long-term journey for you to make good habits with your money. So some would say, well, what if I'm in debt? If I'm in debt, do I still have to uh, give and save? Is it still wise to give and save? In, in anybody that I've talked to, the answer is yes. The answer is yes, even if it's 1% or whatever, because you start forming a habit. Because the habits that you did have before have led you to a bad situation have led you to where you are. So start forming the habit, even if there's a debt situation. Start the habit, and I promise you, the long-term uh, result of, of these good habits will mean that whatever happens with the economy, you will be okay. You will have your head above water because, because um, uh, it is all God's anyway, and uh, there's, there's a saving piece that will give us a little bit of flexibility. And, and of course, there are circumstances, and many of you are dealing with extremely difficult circumstances. But can you, can you move towards this? Give, save, and live off the rest. And here's, here's a scripture that we've read uh, a few times around here from Malachi chapter 3. God says, test me in this. Test me says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Test me. Give it a shot. It's mine anyway. Test me. Now, for some of you, this, this is the big deal for you as you enter 09. This is a huge 
huge issue for you. And the reason I'm talking about it today is that I really do care. I want our church to be some sort of path towards you experiencing freedom in this area. I really do. I hope you hear that that's my intention this morning. But this, we have just scratched the surface with this. And there are a few opportunities for more that I want to just real quickly let you know that are available. And you can call the church for more details or information on this. Two things. One, starting January 22nd, uh, every other Thursday night, our outreach ministry is going to invite in an expert on some area of finances. Some area of finances that will be available for our community, available for our church to say, how can we deal with this particular area? Starting Thursday, January uh, 22nd, it's going to start off with foreclosures. How do we handle that? What are the options? What happens with all that deal? We're going to talk about utilities, uh, how to get assistance with that stuff. We're going to talk about tenants and renting and what are the rights and responsibilities of all that kind of stuff. Very practical stuff, and you can find more information about that. If you are in financial crisis and are need, then hopefully one of these sessions will be the right one for you or for someone that you know in our community. Secondly, we're offering what is called Crown Financial uh, uh, Ministries. And this is a, is a national, perhaps even international um, uh, organization that I've been familiar with for a long time. And we've been offering courses here uh, for quite some time. On February 9th, which is a Monday night, it's going to be the start of eight Mondays in a row where you will have the opportunity to meet as a group of five or a group of 20 or however many. We'll do multiple groups if we need to. Uh, as a group of people, and we're going to be able to look at your financial situation. Not just talk about it kind of from a distance, but your situation so we can help walk you through how to receive the freedom and the blessing and the opportunity to bless others that God really wants for you. That's February 9th, and I hope that some of you will take this opportunity. It, please don't let your pride get in the way of freedom. If this is an issue for you, and you're not sure where to turn, please don't let pride get in the way f uh, for you to experience what God has for you. Let me pray for you as we, as we close. Father, all of us have a part of this conversation that we need to, um, that we need to reflect on, that we need to think more about. God, I pray that none of us in this room feel that we're done in this area. You talk about money so much. You know how much of a hold it has on us. And so I pray, Father, that none of us would feel like we're above this, but that we would all surrender this area of our lives in some greater way. God, help us to remember that it's not ours anyway, that you are so gracious. You have entrusted us with, us, with, entrusted us with it. And may we bring honor and glory to you as we make decisions. Come give us wisdom in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.